Well, I have a question for you this morning. Who is your enemy? Who is someone in your life that wants to hurt you? That is thinking of ways to make your life difficult. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Someone who's trying to do everything they can to irritate you by trying to challenge child custody issues, not paying you the money that you are owed. Or possibly it's a boss who has it out for you. Or a jealous co-worker. Or maybe it's a neighbor. Or someone in your extended family. But it's such a burden to you because they just want to bring pain into your life. So I want you to think about that one person or two or three people <laughs> and think about them as we move throughout this message and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in relationship to how he wants you to respond to them because that's what we're going to be looking at. How to treat enemies. We're continuing in our R12 adventure. We're studying Romans chapter 12 and We've been looking at the materials put together by Chip Ingram, Living on the Edge. Materials we're using as we step through our Sunday morning experience, as well as we have uh, small groups watching a DVD and answering discussion questions. And we have our online. You can get a lot more resources there. And I'm sad that this adventure is over. I really enjoyed studying Romans 12, especially with Chip's insights, and I would encourage you, if you, like this is your first Sunday at Springbrook, uh, that you would buy this book and that you would download the messages uh, from our website or iTunes, and uh, you can go online and they have the DVD curriculum there, and really study it yourself, because it's been such a wonderful, rich study that I've learned a lot from and been reminded of how God wants me uh, to be more like Jesus Christ. Well, let's go back to the beginning, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we see our memory verses from February and March here, verses 1 and 2. And I really encourage you to memorize these verses. These are so important for the foundation of your Christian life. But to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's the Lordship decision. The people... We're in the baptismal waters today, spoke of their salvation decision, asking Christ to be their Savior. But the Lordship is a decision that comes later in the Christian life, when one realizes all the implications of what God wants you to do. And you realize, hey, Jesus, you want to be in control of my life. You want to take over. And I want you to take over because that's the way life should be lived. I want you to be my Lord. I'm all in. My whole life is yours. Do what you want with my life. That 
is a decision we've been encouraging you to make if you haven't made that in your life. And we'll give you an opportunity to note if you've made that decision. But again, I challenge you to give all your life to God. And it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the process that the Holy Spirit works in our minds through God's Word as He continues to help us to see life from God's perspective and how He wants us to live. And we've talked about how we need to love each other, how we need to be an authentic community. And this morning we're going to be talking about how to treat our enemies God's way. So let's take a look at that, how to treat your enemies. First thing you need to do is you need to love them. You need to love them. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse those who persecute you. That word means someone who intends to do you harm, someone who wants to hurt you. So, who's that person in your life? Well, you're supposed to bless them. That means you're supposed to wish that positive things might come their way. It says, bless and do not curse. Cursing is wishing that a person will have negative things that will come into their lives. And Paul was just repeating what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said, whenever Jesus Christ says that, he's speaking of the fact that the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're teaching that particular truth, or maybe not truth per se, uh, but that particular teaching, and that's kind of like the understanding of that day. You've heard it said, this is the way you've been taught, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So think, think of that person in your life. Let's choose one for now. You're supposed to love them and pray for them. That's what Jesus Christ says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Sons means a likeness, that we might be like Jesus Christ if we do that. Now, one of the reasons we want to do this, Jesus explains in verse 45. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, what Jesus is saying, weather happens, okay? So it doesn't matter whether you're righteous or unrighteous, the rain is going to come or whatever type of weather you might be experiencing. But it's how you respond to the weather. That's a critical difference. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Tax collectors weren't well respected. So, hey, everybody loves people who love them. Verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? If you're just friendly to people who come up to you who are friendly towards you, that's not a big deal. Everybody does that. What he's saying is that if you do it differently, if you go out to say, go out of your way to say hello to your neighbor, or that is your enemy, now that's different. That's different than the way the world responds. If you choose to love your enemy, that's different and the way the world responds. So one of the reasons we're to love our enemies is because it's totally unnatural. 
People don't love their enemies. But God says you need to do this to show them that you are my children. It's always so impressive to the world when people love their enemies. Back in 2006, Charles Roberts was a troubled milkman. And he lived in Pennsylvania, and he went to the West Nichols Mine, that's a town, school. You probably remember this story very well. It was an Amish school, and he went in, and so sadly he murdered five young girls and injured six other children. Unbelievable. Well, that weekend they had the memorial service or funeral for Charles Roberts. And the amazing thing was that out of the 75 people that were there, almost half were Amish. And they were there just to support his wife Marie and their two children. And I remember the news reports and they were asking these Amish people, aren't you filled with hatred and don't you just want to are so glad that he's dead and that kind of thing and they say no we forgive we forgive and that news just traveled like wildfire because like who are these people they can't be normal people <laughs> you know i mean other people of course the natural response is i'm glad he's dead and i can't believe what he did to our children when we love our enemies people pay attention so it's pretty simple isn't it just love your enemy pray for your enemy now you're probably thinking, well, if Harrison expects me to do this, he must be on drugs. Uh, he's out of his mind. I mean, he doesn't know my enemy. He doesn't know my ex. He doesn't know my former business partner. He doesn't know the pain that they have caused me, how they've ruined my life. They've shattered my reputation. They've slandered me to everybody they've had a chance to slander me to. How, how could I ever love that kind of person? That is just unreasonable. Jesus Christ certainly could do it, and maybe Harrison, the paid professional, might try to do it, but not me. That's <laughs> yeah, very hard to do. In fact, you know what? It's impossible. I'm in the same boat with you guys. Uh, it's impossible. I can't love my enemies. I'm just like you. I hate my enemies. I have angry fantasies about my enemies. You ever have angry fantasies? You know, you kind of think about, now, what could happen to them? Hmm, you know? Maybe they get sick or lose their job or, you know, something else befalls them because they need to experience the pain that I experience. It's payback time. That's how we respond. The only way that we can love our enemies it's through the power of Jesus Christ flowing through us. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. You need to keep on calling on the power of Christ to flow through you to do what is typically impossible for us, always impossible for us to do. We look at Ephesians 4.32. This verse often is referenced appropriately when we're talking about forgiveness be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you 
So we look at this verse and say, wow, you know, I really should love my enemies because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me in order to forgive my sins, my big sins, and my little sins, all the sins I've ever committed so certainly. Out of that motivation, I should be able to forgive that one person for the things they've said about me. Not. <laughs> I mean, you can get the motivation going a little bit, saying, yeah, I should forgive them. No way am I forgiving them. I don't care how many sins Christ forgave me for. He's Christ. I can't forgive that person. You know what? You're right. You can't. You've got to do it through God's power. That's the only way you can make it happen. Chip Ingram does a great job of explaining this in the three steps of forgiveness. Now, the first step is to forgive. That's the choice you need to make. And so many times we struggle because we're waiting for this strong emotion to come that we should forgive. If you wait for that emotion, it's not, you're not going to make that decision. It's a choice. In the midst of your anger, in the midst of your hurt, you need to choose to forgive because God commands it and Jesus will empower you to do it. You say, this is the thing I want to do. It's the right thing to do. I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it. So you make that choice. I'm going to forgive. You start the journey because forgiveness is always a journey. It doesn't happen in just one split second. Because the next step is forgiving. That's a continuous type of thing in the present tense. You have to continue to forgive that person. So if you really are hurt by somebody, you forgive them at 11 o'clock. And then when you think about them again at 11.01, you have to forgive them again. <laughs> and 11.03, and 11.04, and 11.05. And, and every time their face comes to your memory or somebody mentions their name, or somehow you, you remember what they did to you, you need to forgive them again. You've started that process. You need to renew that first forgiveness that you gave to them over and over and over again. And many of you have deep wounds in your life. And the deeper the wound, the longer it's going to take to forgive them. It might take a week to forgive a person, or it might take years to forgive somebody who really really has significantly sinned against you and affected your life. Forgiving is one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. And that's with the power of Jesus Christ. It's just hard work to forgive. Because you just got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. What I find is that I will forgive a person and... I'll forgive them and forgive them, and then I'll just kind of stall out. And I'll never get to the third stage. I get to the point where, okay, I forgive this person, and uh, but, you know, I don't care if I ever see him again, <laughs> ever talk to him again, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, just keep him out of my life, all right? We're done with it. I'm not saying that if a person has hurt you that you have to go back to the relationship you had with them. I'm not saying that because usually the trust is broken in a relationship after a deep hurt. God isn't asking you to do that, but he is asking you to forgive them to the point of 
forgiven. What, what does forgiven mean? Well, that means when you can think about this person and you no longer have those toxic feelings and emotions and hatred toward them. You no longer want to curse them, but you want to bless them. You have positive thoughts about them. You want good things to happen in their life. And that, that's a real journey. In fact, I was with, was with someone recently uh, who had wounded me, and um, you know, I think I've cycled all the way with them. I was able to talk with them and pray with them and that kind of thing. And that's a great feeling once you've gone through the whole cycle. I can think of somebody else where I'm about halfway in the cycle. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, if you're alive today, you got people that you have issues with, right? So you have to continue to work that forgiveness wheel through the power of Christ. You need to continue. Every time you think about them, you need to say, Lord, I still have those feelings, but I'm going to forgive them again and again and again. And Lord, give me the power to do this because I cannot do this on my own. In fact, Chip Ingram, he has a great practice that he talks about, and that is that every time he comes to communion, he thinks through the people that he's having a tough time forgiving. And so he forgives them, and then he seeks to bless them by praying for them. And that's a great practice to get into. Is to pray for your enemies. Are your enemies on your prayer list? I don't want to think about my enemies. Well, you see, if you're going to forgive them, you need to have them on your prayer list so you can think about them and you can forgive them and you can bless them and, and pray to God and say, Lord, I want good things to happen for this person. I want their life to be blessed. I want their finances to increase and everything to go well and that they'll stay healthy. And, and, and when you start praying for your enemies, that is when uh, you're able uh, to really have the Holy Spirit work within you to a deeper degree. There's something mysterious about prayer. When you really start praying for somebody, it changes the way you feel about them. So I really encourage you to add to your prayer list and start a prayer list if you don't have one, uh, but just put that person's name down. But then I have to think about them every day. Well, yeah, that's the point, right? <laughs> you know, it will give you another opportunity to forgive them. You have to go through this hard work in order to be able to process it out of your system. That's what Jesus Christ can do. He can process the hurt out of your system. He can take the toxic feelings away. But people just don't want to do that. And that's why people, I think, have so many physical issues and emotional issues and just messed up, you know. We're all kind of messed up because we don't want to deal with the challenges we've had in our life. We don't want to seek healing from Jesus. We want to, to wallow in the pain. We want to relive it every day. We want to embrace it because we think that's how we're going to get healthy. That's how we're going to get payback. Like the alcoholic or anybody else who has an addiction. You go to the alcohol in order to escape, in order to bring some type of peace to your life. But every time you go to the alcohol, what happens is, is it destroys your body a little more, it destroys your soul a little more, it destroys your relationships a little more, 
But you keep going back to it because for a moment you feel good. And so the idea with revenge is you're thinking, oh, you know, with these anger fantasies and things of that nature and talking to other people and telling them how terrible they are. That feels good for the moment, but it's tearing you up inside. And, and the ironic thing about it is a person that has hurt you many times is not even thinking about you. So here you're torn up. They continue to hurt you every day because you're thinking about it and they're just going on their merry way. Does that make any sense? Really. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So God is telling us it's time to heal up. It's time to do the right thing that will help you to become healthy. Another way to continue this process is seen in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, the context here is not rejoice with your friends and mourn with your friends. It's talking about rejoice with your enemies and mourn with your enemies. So, when good things happen to the person that you can't stand, that you're trying to forgive, okay, when they have a baby, when the kid graduates from high school, college, gets married, whatever, rejoice with them. Well, how do you rejoice with them? That means I might have to talk to them. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. And every, every relationship is different. I don't want to simplify this too much because I know that some of you have been, again, abused and uh, a very, very deep issue, maybe from your childhood. And, you know, God uses uh, therapists, Christian therapists and other therapists and counselors and all that kind of thing. And he uses other Christians small groups, for, for you to continue to process through this. But again, the point is, is that you need to get all those feelings out on the table and process through them and put them through the filter of Scripture. But then you need to let the power of Jesus Christ saturate your life. Because that's the only way you're going to find true healing. And then as you get to that point, you can rejoice with that person that's hurt you so much. And you can mourn with them if they are sick or someone in their family is sick or they've lost their job or whatever the case might be. And yeah, you know, I would encourage you uh, to write a note to the person that's hurt you so much. Email them. Text them, whatever you do. <laughs> right? Uh, and if you find it appropriate, and sometimes it's not appropriate to, to go to a person that you've hurt, well, maybe they feel that they hurt you and vice versa and those type of things. It gets complicated. But if you have the opportunity to go to a wedding or a funeral or something like that, I mean, let the Lord lead you in the way you can associate with this person. If that's a healthy thing to do. And, and again, that's part of God's therapy in dealing with forgiveness and getting past the hurt. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Be of the same mind. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is, this is really common. Uh, what you'll do, or what I'll do, any of us will do, when someone has hurt us deeply, we'll talk to people who are friends or people that we go to for advice, and we'll paint a picture of our enemy, of this person who's hurt us so deeply. And we will just tell them how terrible this person is and all the things they said and all the things they did and things we think they might do. And we go on and on. And this person listening to us 
is thinking, oh, what a monster. This is a creature from the Black Lagoon that you're describing here. <laughs> Why? Because we love to play the victim, right? Oh, poor me. Did you know what this person did to me and how they treated me? And you want other people to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's so difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've done marriage counseling over the years, and I listen to the man's story, and I, afterwards I say, yeah, she's a jerk, isn't she? I, I don't say that. But that's what I think in my mind. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. And I talk to the, the woman, and oh, wait a second, he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I get them together, and I realize where the truth lies, okay? <laughs> yeah, we, we just color things in our way, right? It's just our sinful way of doing things, and uh, that's why sometimes you need a counselor to get an objective person in there to say, okay, you both have perceptions of each other. And I'm trying to get at the truth here in regards to what's really happening in your relationship. So that's why it's important. I encourage you, if you're going through a difficult issue, a conflict situation, and you're describing the person who's hurt you to a friend or an advisor, whatever the case might be, don't paint the picture black because it isn't black. All right? Tell them good things about that person. Give the whole context. Try to be as truthful as possible. And that person is going to be able to help you better, and you won't be, again, gossiping about that person and trashing them. That's wrong. That's sinful when you're working uh, through conflict. We go to Romans verse uh, 17, that is. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Be careful. Here's another insight that Chip shares. It's the idea of uh, you've got to get in their shoes, you know, walk a, a mile and... Their moccasins, one might say. The idea that why would they treat you in this way? It's not like anybody says, you know, I just want to do something evil. I don't care who it is. Well, there are people that are like that. But uh, normal people don't say that. They usually have a rationale that they really believe. So the way they treated you, they have a rationale for the way they treated you. It wasn't right. Okay, but at the same time, you need to... Just try to understand. I mean, think about what you know about them. And many times when people are going through difficult times in their lives, they'll strike out, you know, hurting people, hurt people, right? So maybe that's part of the mix here, and you can understand that. They're going through a lot of stress in their life, and, and for whatever reason, they chose you. And you need to think about their emotional maturity and spiritual maturity. All I'm saying is give them a break, all right? We're all broken. We're all sinners. Uh, we're all confused sometimes about why we do certain things. So don't totally victimize a person like the, uh, the devil themselves. Come on. Right? Get realistic. They're just another hurting human being, and they happen to hurt you. But try to be, again, as balanced as possible, and the Holy Spirit can help you to do that as you continue to pray, Lord, help me work through the situation. Help me to have your wisdom and, and again, dealing with this uh, challenge that I'm going through. Then Romans 12:18. if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, I like that. It's not always going to be possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, one thing I have to, cl have to clarify here is you, you don't want to be a doormat. 
lot of people feel, well, you know, if I forgive people and that kind of thing, I'm, I'm going to be a doormat. So the extreme example would be if a woman is constantly being beat by her husband and she says, well, I'll just forgive him, and he beats her again. I'll forgive him. No, no, no. If you're being beat by your husband, you need to move out. Or he needs to move out, preferably. And uh, you need to separate. You cannot let people continually sin against you. Now, in some situations, it's impossible. Like if your boss is sinning against you, <laughs> stop sinning against me or I'm going to leave. Well, go ahead. But uh, <laughs> so you got to do what you can do. You know what I'm saying? But put up the boundaries. Put up those boundaries. Don't let people walk all over you. Another situation is when uh, you have a person uh, you've got a, who, you've, who you've had a conflict with and you think they're 99% wrong and maybe you're 1% wrong. Well, that probably reads more like they're 80% wrong and you're 20% wrong, right? This has been my experience. Uh, we always kind of exaggerate things. So the point is, is that uh, you need to go to them and confess the sin of 20%. What, are you kidding? Hey, I'm only 20%, man. They're like 80%. Who's going to make the first move? Not me. That's totally unreasonable. Nobody else would do that except Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you're supposed to be like Jesus, right? So what you need to do through the power of Christ is go to them and say, listen, I know we've had our differences and, you know, I lied in this situation or, you know, whatever you did. And you're going to say, well, they're going to attack me. And they're going to say, see, I told you you were, you were wrong. Well, I mean, that's just the way it is. You need to do the right thing. And, and they might stonewall you, and a lot of people do this. That's why it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you only can do so much. And they might choose not to do anything. They might choose to continue to hate you and be your enemy. Well, whatever, you've done what God has asked you to do. You're in the clear. You can walk with a clear conscience. That's what... God is asking you to do here. So, through the power of Christ, love your enemy. And the second thing here that we see is don't seek revenge. Don't seek revenge. Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's wrath. <laughs> Last night I uh, typed in revenge in my Google search engine. And on the first page there was how to get revenge against your ex-spouse. So I clicked on it. I wouldn't recommend this. But uh, <laughs> I mean, like, wow. <laughs> Some people, again, you know, people like to think about revenge. And so, I mean, they had all these services where you could, for example, send annoying phone calls where the phone rings and nobody is there. For $10, excuse me, $30, you can have 10 calls sent at any time. All right, so $3 a call. Untraceable, all that kind of stuff. Or, for like 60 bucks, you can have a package mailed from a foreign country without a return address with a DVD that says, Listen to me, written on it. And then it has this foreign voice saying all the terrible things that this person is going to do to your ex. Twisted? Or for $300, you can have them set up a website that's untraceable and cannot be shut down that 
You can just trash your ex. You can show pictures, whatever you want to do to destroy their lives. People are into revenge, and they want it. And we're people, <laughs> you know. And that's why we need to forgive. We need to be different because Jesus is within us. Legacy.com is a organization that does online guest books for people who have died. And <laughs> they uh, have 75 employees. And 45 of their employees are editing what's put online about these people who have recently died. Because what's happening, because of the anonymity of the web and everything that's a part of that, people are dissing the dead. I mean, they're insulting them, off-color remarks. They're tearing them apart. So you got all these employees who are going, well, that can't be posted, that can't be posted, that can't be posted. In the old days, one funeral director in the article I was reading said, hey, in 30 years I had one person say a negative thing in a funeral and one person write a negative thing in a guest book. That was it. But with the age of the Internet, people and their anonymity just tear people apart. 30% of their budget goes to controlling revenge. In fact, one person wrote, From these comments, it seems to appear that this man was a good father. And this one was signed. It said, His son, Peter. A lot of wounds. A lot of hurts. And friends, if you are going to fully experience a life as God intended it, then you'd experience it, you've got to learn to forgive. We've got to learn to forgive. We've got to continue to do it over and over again. It doesn't get easier as you get older. In fact, you've got to start this as young as you can because if you get trapped in patterns... They're hard to break, but they are breakable with the power of Christ. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So what you need to do is you need to give your revenge account over to God. You need to say, God, I want you to be the judge in this situation. And that's the right thing to do, right? Because God says He will judge. At the end of this age, everybody will come before the judgment seat. And unless they're a Christ follower, they will be judged for what you, or what they did to you. They're going to be judged for every little thing. And they'll be held accountable and punished for it. So you can have confidence in that. But for some reason, we don't want to do that. We don't want to give the account over to God. We want to take care of the account. We want to be the collection agency because we think we can do it so much better and so much more satisfying if we get to come down on the person well again we talked about the fact that that's not very profitable that doesn't work we've got to release it to God can you release this person to God and say God I know that you will do what is right because you're not even in the right mind to do what is right in terms of judging this particular person. Stop playing God. You're trying to play God. I'm trying to play God when we're seeking revenge. 
Romans 12, 20, it says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I've always found this kind of a strange verse. Heap burning coals on his head. But uh, Chip mentions that there is a uh, Egyptian practice that was done in ancient times where if a person was going to repent, if they were going to say that they were wrong uh, to a person, what they would do is they would start a fire and put some coals in there, and then they would have a pan and they would put some coals on this pan and they would put it on their head and they would wear it through the village to tell everybody that they were wrong, that they're guilty. Hmm. So then what does this verse mean? So if we take care of the needs of our enemy, if he's thirsty, we give him something to drink, what will happen is that as we love our enemy, they are going to be guilty. God is going to create guilt in their heart over what they've done to you. Wade Boggs, the third baseman for the Boston Red Sox, Hall of Famer, shares a funny story. He used to hate to go to Yankee Stadium, not because of the Yankees, but because of one fan. One fan made it miserable for Wayne, Wade Boggs to go to Yankee Stadium because this guy had box seats right down next to the field. And every time Wade Boggs would get up, every time he was in earshot, he would insult him. He would throw out the profanities and the obscenities, and he would just continue to terrorize Wade Boggs with his words. And one day Wade Boggs just had had enough of it. So he went over and he talked to this man. He said, are you the guy who continues to yell at me every time I come to the stadium. And he says, yeah, what are you going to do about it? So Wade Boggs takes out a brand new baseball, and he signs it, and he gives it to the guy, and then he goes back in the field. That guy never said a word to Wade Boggs again in a negative way. In fact, he became the biggest fan of Wade Boggs in the stadium. That's what we're talking about here, friends. Love your enemies. It's amazing how God will use that. And I love how it's summed up here in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this, this sums it all up. What are you going to do? What choice are you going to make? Are you going to be overcome with evil? Are you going to seethe with revenge and hatred and nurse that grudge until you become a bitter person? Or are you going to have uh, overcome evil with good? Are you going to forgive, go through that difficult process, empowered by Christ, to release that person to God and to love and pray for your enemies? What is your choice? Do you want to become an overcomer? In fact, it's interesting. The word for overcomer in the original language is Nicholas. And if you look at this logo... Nike. You know where Nike comes from? It's from a Greek word, which means overcomer. Hey, friends will be impressed with that. Now, what's Nike's uh, phrase? Just do it! 
And that's my challenge for you and I this morning. When it comes to forgiveness, just do it. You don't feel like doing it. doesn't make any sense. Just do it. To the power of Christ. Let's pray. I want you to just take a moment reflecting on what we've talked about today. And I want you to spend some time talking to God about the person who is inflicting pain upon you or has done so in the past. And I pray that you would ask God for his power to forgive this person, to release them, and to overcome evil. Take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, these are really difficult issues. I know that some of my friends here can't even begin to imagine how this could be a reality in their lives. After they've hated a person for so long, how could they ever love them? I mean, they believe what we've talked about, what it says in your word, and they want it, but they feel like it's impossible. And again, they're right. I pray they continue to lean on your power and continue to do something that's incredibly supernatural. In Christ's name, amen. We get our worship coming forward. We're going to gather our offerings for the Lord. Here's some pictures from last week. This is after my message. I just uh, are blown away. But <laughs> no, this is our blood drive. And. Uh, we had 41 people give a unit of blood. 41 units of blood. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Amen to that. That is so cool. Thank you for giving everything to God. <laughs> Even your blood. Thank you for your generosity. And again, it's your resources that keep the lights on in this building and pay the mortgage and enable us to have a wonderful gym to have a place where people can come and give blood. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for all you've given to us. Thank you that you help us to forgive. You help us to do everything. You empower us, Lord. We thank you for all your blessings. In Christ's name, amen.